Hello and welcome to the third and final bonus episode of the OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro, and these bonus episodes are previews of some of the speakers from the upcoming OME 2021 virtual conference in May. In the last two episodes, we heard from some of the featured and keynote speakers, and in this episode, we will hear from them again. We asked them what they thought was working well with online learning, and this is what they had to say. As you will hear, there is a wide variety of opinions, and we have tried to organize them in some coherent way. So let's get started. So the thing that I'm beginning, and I think I really have a strong appreciation for, is I am hearing that students who have not been as participatory in a face-to-face setting Online learning may have create is create might create the opportunity for those students who are maybe not as vocal in face to face. It I think online creates a space for them to be at engaging in on and uh, maybe in a Zoom classroom or an online setting. And let me explain what I mean by that. So if you think about uh, uh, you know posing a, te- a task or a question to students, sometimes the person who raised their hand the fastest or speaks the fastest, they're, 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 they get the opportunity uh, or they're recognized. But what about students who are um, who process differently or who are deep thinkers? What the online setting has done is provide an opportunity for them to think deeply and it, it kind of neutralizes that kind of jumping in who can jump in the quickest to answer the question. And so what I'm appreciating about uh, the online space is creating that space for students to process, allows processing time and it allows the thinking time that may not be afforded in the face-to-face context. Yeah, with the uh, with the pandemic, uh, you know, educators have really, really been put in a tough spot, and there has been so much learning uh, that's come from it. Right now, not having my own classroom every single day, I can't relate to it in the same way that my wife, a grade three teacher, or you know, or John, or or any of these educators from uh, around the province, how they're experiencing it day in and day out. Uh, for me, I get the opportunity to go into different classrooms at different grade levels um, to, you know, assist with teachers, co-teach, co-learn. And I'm really enjoying that. And and really some of the, I guess, maybe the the bright spots or the silver linings that I'm sort of seeing is, you know, uh, a a number of things, but there's one, uh, many teachers who were face-to-face and then were forced online. So they knew their students from the beginning of this school year in a face-to-face environment and then have gone online. What I've heard from many educators, which I never would have thought of, I never would have predicted, is that some of these students who sort of sit back in their classroom and and don't feel Mm. like, you know, engaged in the process in a face-to-face environment, some of those students have come to life. And it makes me reflect that, you know, I know that I am more of a social learner. I am more of, you know, an advocate for face-to-face learning. And I continue, I, I still think that there, you know, the positives outweigh the negatives when you go to face-to-face. However, there have been some students that have actually benefited from this experience. And it just makes me more aware 
that you know oftentimes we are we are still thinking about this big group and we're assuming that you know one size fits for all but you know we're seeing that that's not the case and you know the second piece that i think is is a glimmer of positivity that comes from this experience and it, it's more for our educators in the end of junior, intermediate, and then especially in uh, the senior grades. What, what I've noticed is uh, educators rethinking their assessment and evaluation practices. Uh, not suggesting that everyone's you know, completely figured it out, but with many students you know, being able to access the internet while they're online, uh, many educators are realizing that you know, maybe some of the ways that we used to assess and evaluate aren't necessarily going to, you know, be all that effective or all that helpful in an online environment. And and my hope from this is that, you know, we will we will take away some positives. Uh, we will step in, you know, continue walking in the right direction when it comes to assessment and evaluation practices. And, you know, maybe this is that little catalyst that uh, might spark some more change in that area. So, this is a really good question. I think for me, the move to online learning, and I'm not sure I'm directly answering your question, but this is this is what I'm thinking about. To me, it really has challenged our thinking about what are the, the components of kind of face-to-face -face classrooms that really are the kinds of components we want to bring to online learning. And I think that online learning challenges us to think about what are those components and how do we actually replicate those in an online learning situation? So I think that um, for me, that's, that's been part of the challenge. I think that sometimes we can think about online learning in a, in a very kind of a transmission model, but how do we create collaborative spaces for students? Um, how do we create uh, assessment opportunities where we can view student thinking? And I think it really pushes us to think about um, creating situations that model what we know is good pedagogy. So I guess the move to online learning um, is really about, for me, it's really made me think about what are the most important components of a, of a classroom situation? What are the most important pedagogical moves teachers make? And how can we create those kinds of situations and those kinds of environments for students to feel comfortable taking risks and giving them voice within an online setting? I don't have answers to those questions, but I think that those, for me, raised very important questions to, to be able to think about. Online learning was not, or online teaching, I should say, I, I haven't necessarily been the learner, I've been the teacher. So online teaching has not been um, as difficult for me as I thought it would be, but maybe it's because of the structure that I use for my classes. But one thing that I really learned from doing this is I didn't know that there was software out there like Symbolab that does nearly every mathematical routine. Um, it can answer nearly any question I ever used to give in any of my tests from middle school algebra to calculus. And, and it gives me the steps and the reasons and everything. So I have really had to concentrate on reshaping the tasks that I give students. 
And I think this has been beneficial for them as well as me, because I'm no longer re relying on um, their mastering procedures. I'm really now trying really hard to ask them questions to demonstrate that they do have the conceptual understanding and the skill and knowledge to apply those procedures so they can let the software do some of the work. Um, I mean, I still want them to understand what's going on and I'm gonna ask, I ask questions about that, but I am long way now from saying, you know, what is the derivative um, or solve this equation, give me the factors. I I'm not doing that anymore at all. Um, it's harder until I get used to it, but I think it's better for everybody. And the other thing that worries me a little bit is I read a lot on my the listservs I belong to about how I can prevent, or how they can prevent cheating, um, which when you use PhotoMath or SymbolLab. And, you know, as adults out in the world, which I, which I really care about how people function mathematically out there, they are going to use those kind of devices if they need answers. So I I would not really think of that as cheating. I really think the burden is on us to reshape what we think is important and what we ask kids to do. That was Robert Hugh Berry, Kyle Pierce, Chris Surtam, and Gail Burrill. Let's continue listening to what our speakers thought was working well with online learning. Complicated. I have some good feelings. Um, I, I'm very impressed and proud of teachers who have stepped up to the plate. So even teachers I know who have been um, technology phobic um, realize that they just had to do it and they've done it and they've kind of found their technology legs. And I, I think it's admirable that teachers have been willing to do that work and have been um you know, have changed their teaching style in order to do that. So I think that part is great. I'm still not going to pretend that um, I really believe that kids are as happy or learning as much in a virtual environment. And that's particularly the case for little ones. But I think teachers really have um, risen to the challenge and tried to do the best they can. One thing that I, I, I kind of like is I, I've I had an opportunity to, to play around in a lot of different classrooms. And, and sometimes I'm confined to where I can go due to travel. Sometimes I can't go somewhere uh, because I know that we have a big family commitment on a weekend and I can't go support a teacher in, in a certain county but or in a different state or in a, in a different province. But one of the things that I really like about virtual learning from a professional learning point of view is the fact that we can now connect with more teachers and open up our math playbox, our, our math sandbox. And in doing so, we can cross pollinate more with one another. I think as teachers, it's like we're always grasping for new ideas and looking for people to for where we can join in their sandbox and to where they can join in our sandbox as well. And I think the fact that we've all been pushed into this virtual space, whether we like it or not, has kind of allowed us to kind of open and broaden up our network, which then allows us to impact students. And, and thinking about how, even though we're doing it now in a virtual space, some of us have built some really good relationships across our, our own districts and across our own boards where we never, maybe never would have done that before. But my, I'm hoping and I'm almost positive that a lot of these relationships will continue to cross-pollinate once we get back in person. And, and the more that we can all get together, uh, I'm a firm believer that all of us are smarter than one of us. And being pushed into this virtual space is definitely allowing us to all grow and learn from one another. That was Marion Small and Graham Fletcher, two of the OME 2021 featured speakers talking about online learning. 
We've got four more comments before we finish up. Let's get started with Lisa Lunny Borden. One of the things that I think is working well with online learning is just um, bringing new technologies into into the classroom. I'm I'm a big believer in using shared notebooks and shared whiteboards and things like that. And I I love the way that my students are engaging and collaborating. Um, That's working really well for me. I use a lot of a lot of online tools. I love all the online math resources that are out there. You know, shout out to OAME for lots of having lots of resources as well. But for me, I think exposing my pre-service teachers to all of these online tools that they can use to bring math alive um, is really working well. And I, I like the dynamic nature of a lot of math virtual manipulatives or, or virtual sites where, where you can see math form and move because that really reflects some of the equity values that I bring into my teaching. So David, um, this has obviously been an interesting year for all of us with the online learning. I, you know, I think all of us can think of things that uh, are, you know, are are difficult uh, trying to engage people. But I do have a couple thoughts for you about things that I feel have gone fairly well. I'm never going to claim that I've done a great job with anything. But I think I've got I've done a good job in several areas. One of them is that I'm lucky this year. I have smaller classes, but I actually sent every one of my students through Canada Post a math kit. So every one of my teacher candidates got this great big box that was just stuffed with all kinds of things. There were manipulatives in the box. There were, you know, scissors and tape and paper. Um, it just went on and on and on. And what it's meant is that during the year, you know, I've been able to say to my students, uh, go get the math kit and pull out um, the unicutes or get out that circular sheet of paper so that we can make a cone or something. That has made all the difference in the world to actually have stuff that, um, you know, my students can use. In fact, I'm doing another session at OEME at the conference in 2021. And uh, it's going to be about this very idea. There's actually going to be more to the session, but I'm doing it with a former student of mine from Boise, Jareed Weiss. Um, and we're going to look at, you know, this kind of idea. But we're going to be looking at uh, found objects, you know, things that, you know, students would have around the home that you can use uh, with that. But, I, you know, I feel that that has gone uh, quite well. You know, the fact that my students have something uh, that they can use, you know, that I handpicked the items for them. The other thing I think that has gone, you know, fairly well as well is just the use of my technology here at home. You know, I've got things set up here with some sit-stand tables, which allowed, which has allowed me to stand for my classes. This has been a huge thing for me personally because, you know, we're all sitting a lot. And uh, so for my three-hour classes at Oise, uh, I've, I've been standing almost the whole time. The only time I sit down is when I go to another sit-stand table and I do some live demonstrations. You know, that's where I tell my students to, you know, get something out and we actually work on things together. We build some models, you know, and do that. So, um, and the other thing I think that has gone fairly well is that because I'm at home, uh, I have, uh, you know, and I've also, I, I have a collection 
of material here that I have amassed over a teaching career. I mean, I've taught over 40 years. So I just have a ton of stuff here. And I've also brought home a lot of things from my office at Oise. So in the middle of a lesson, it means that I can just all of a sudden think, oh, I should just go over to my shelf and just get this. So I just walk over and I get that and I just use it in my classroom. And that has made all the difference in the world. I normally wouldn't be able to do that at Oise, you know, because my office is on the 11th floor and I'm teaching on the second floor, wherever. And, you know, I can't say, oh, hey, folks, just wait a second. I'm going to take the elevator down and, or up or wherever, and I'll be back in 15 minutes. But I've been able to just pull out all sorts of things this year that have really enhanced the lessons. You know, part of what's made this work is that I'm, I'm a fairly flexible teacher that I'm willing to, you know, kind of get out of my plan and interrupt what I'm doing and, you know, and, and, and segue into something else or use something. The other thing that's made this work is that I have stuff, you know, that I've actually spent a lifetime amassing resources for, for teaching. And, um, and that's something that this year, near the end of the year with my teacher candidates, I'm going to be talking to them about. They're, they're starting their careers. And I hope that if I meet them 10 years from now or 15 years from now, that they will also have stuff that they're using for teaching. You know, so that they can have like a makerspace set up of things that they can use in their classroom. So, David, those are some of the things that, you know, I think are going fairly well overall. Yeah, online learning has been largely a mess. And I'm so sad for people who are involved in it right now by necessity. I will say that because everyone has less time and less energy, it has had a, an enormously clarifying uh, and focusing effect. Uh, on our priorities. So like when you have half your time, half your energy, those choices you're making are, are uh, really represent values. And so we're seeing teachers that are really taking seriously the need to create community in math class, like starting every lesson with some kind of like get to know you activity, you know, is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, you know, what, what's your what, what's your favorite TV show you watched this this week? Or if you were a number, what would you be? That kind of thing has been, um, we're seeing so much of that at, at Desmos and our kind of our, our logging of our, our, our visibility and what teachers are doing. That's just really exciting. A renewed interest in creating community. When I think about online learning, uh, I know that it's like uh, a whole this trying to make the best out of a tough situation, and that's very true. But I, uh, teaching from January, the beginning of January, all the way you know to the end of January, back online, back every day, all day with the same group of kids, I was probably feeling what most people felt when they were teaching online is that when you're teaching. And I, and I actually, this is a reverse. When I was talking with my wife, who is a kindergarten teacher, when she's teaching kindergarten classes, the kids are just super eager to share anything about their day, how things are going, and they want to talk and they want to answer questions. And it's just like cameras on, mics are on, and there's so much chatter. And she's got to tell everyone to like cool it and, and turn it down. Whereas we, I'm a high school teacher, folks. And uh, I don't know about you, but if you were teaching high school, you did not have that experience. You had the opposite of that. Kids turn on their Google Meets or whatever their meeting software is, and then all of a sudden, 
they're, they're, it says they're there. There's like an icon. However, it was getting, it was like pulling teeth to have chatter or uh, any sort of engagement. And that was one of the tough things back in the, the spring, but even tougher this last month while we were all kind of still virtually learning. And I felt like I had some success when uh, I used the breakout groups and I was, and, you know, we had, we had touched on it back in the spring, but it wasn't a thing because we were asynchronous. But when we were live with the group, um, once we went into small groups, like groups of three or four in breakout rooms, that's when the life came back to the students that I knew when I was working with them face to face. They were talking about ideas. We were using virtual whiteboards to share things back and forth and work on problems. And, and it was just, I felt like my class was back with me. And uh, if we ever have to go back that way again, I'm going to cross my fingers that we don't. However, if we do, definitely I will be going and using breakout rooms with virtual whiteboards to uh, to uh, get back that engagement that I had lost uh, when we were face-to-face. That was Lisa Lunny borden Ron Lancaster, Dan Meyer, and John Orr. These have been some of the OIMI 2021 featured and keynote speakers talking about what they think is working well with online learning. That does it for the OME 2021 preview episodes, and that does it for OME Talks this season. We'll be back this fall with more episodes, and in the meantime, check out oame2021.ca for more info about the conference, including how to register. With that being said, I'll talk to you in the fall, and in the meantime, stay safe.